0: logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to revenue.io to learn more.
1: This episode is brought to you in part by Akunu, Akunu for Sales is the first buyer-aware platform for account-based selling on Salesforce. Akunu integrates your sales process with buyer behavior to verify buyer-seller alignment and increase confidence in the status of your deals. It eliminates time-consuming data entry for sales reps and makes your sales pipeline and deal review meetings data-driven and much more efficient, giving your sales reps and their managers the time and insights needed to win more deals. So, do you know how your deal review process stacks up against other B2B sales organizations? Visit akunu.com forward slash accelerate to access Akunu's benchmark report revealing the deal review habits of B2B sales managers and tips for managing deal reviews. See how you stack up and create your action plan for a better deal management. Get your report at akunu.com forward slash accelerate. That's A-K-O-O-N-U dot com forward slash accelerate. It's time to Accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 561 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Joining me on the show today is my guest, Darlene Mann. Darlene is the co-founder, president, and chief operating officer at Acunu. In this episode, we're going to dive into account-based strategies. We're going to talk about the tools to help you succeed in an account-based sales environment, and then spend some time thinking about and predicting how account-based selling is going to evolve over the next several years. If you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 561. Now, friends, it's inevitable. If you're in sales, you're going to hit a sales slowdown from time to time. And what I see when I work with companies, oftentimes the first thing they do is default to this notion that the solution to a slowdown or to not hitting your numbers is to add more structure and more process. But sometimes you need to try some new ideas, a little out of the ordinary, to break out of the doldrums sell up to your potential. So if you're looking for some new ideas about how to amp up and accelerate your sales, then you need to read the new report I put together just for you. And it's based on the specific recommendations of more than 300 experts I've personally interviewed on this program. And I've compiled their tactics and strategies that they recommend into a practical step-by-step guide that you can use to accelerate your sales today. So don't wait go to accelerate.fm forward slash accelerate to get your free copy of this report today. That's accelerate.fm forward slash accelerate. also want to remind you that you know, I'm always on the lookout for your questions that you might have about sales, specific sales situations that you get into, or your suggestions about topics you'd like me to address on the show or guests that you'd recommend that I have on the show. So, Make sure you send me an email about that. In fact, you can do that today. Send an email to Andy at zero with your question or your suggestion or your guest recommendation. All right, let's jump into it. With Darlene, Darlene Mann, welcome to Accelerate.
2: Thank you so much, Andy.
1: No, it's my pleasure to have you here. So I've a standard question I open all the interviews with is in your mind, what's what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today?
2: I, I think it's the complexity of the sailing world and how much is expected of them as they walk through a door um, to try to create the value that will ultimately lead to a sale. I think that for many salespeople today, the um, overwhelming amount of uh, process and um, mechanization that's being uh, applied to the sales world um, is distracting them from the real heart of selling, which is understanding who our buyers are and and really spending the time to help that buyer uh, discover the right solution for their needs Mm -hmm. and to really engage in a sales process that's going to um, add value, um, as well as extract value. And so I think the the busy world out there and just how complicated it's become with so many different uh, demands on their time is making it harder and harder to stay focused on that relationship with the buyer.
1: So why don't we just simplify it? I mean, it seems <laughs> I mean, it's such an easy <laughs> question. and yes. But I mean, it really comes from the perspective of of, okay yeah gosh we got 13 tools in our sales stack yeah someone show me data that shows that each of those is making a difference if any of them are making a difference Right? I mean, have we created this 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 environment and i'm you know speaking hypothetically here of, you know sort of you know artificial complexity or unnecessary complexity i mean we yeah it's more complex but have we gained anything through the complexity
2: Yeah, and I think I actually think that's a really great question. So I believe that there are there's more than one side to this complexity. Um, Part of this is that as technology has progressed and we've created all of this digital marketing um, infrastructure, we now have a lot more um, uh, at bats, if you will, in terms of as companies we're. Marketing in a way that's creating connections or signals with buyers. And the buyers have a lot more opportunity to go out and learn about things, research things, see if they're interested, understand what might be available to them. Um, it's the same old thing that we're hearing all the time. You know, the buyer might be X percentage through their process before they even talk to sales. And some of that is, is, is true. Um, But some of it is also that in the buyer's world, things have become more complicated and they're more cautious about how they buy. Um, I think the purchasing processes inside of larger companies, um, but even mid-sized companies, have become far more collaborative. And so there are more people at the table to talk to, more opinions that have to be heard and concerns satisfied. And that complexity isn't something that we can just make go away with a set of tools. What we can do, and I think part of the proliferation of those tools, is about trying to find ways of connecting with buyers and then understand what they're doing. And so it really comes down to, on the sales side, can we simplify the stack so that it's not such a complicated mess of tools? But, on the buyer's side, I don't think we have the luxury of of simplifying it. We simply have to learn how to navigate it and uh, interact with it in a more productive way.
1: So a question then is is it seems like there to me it seems like there's a a gap you know we have all this great technology pouring into sales. I use it, you guys use it, you guys sell it. but it's all focused on us right I don't see anything in the tools that says, yeah, the, the purpose of this, this tool in your sales stack is to enable and empower the customer to you know, be more efficient in the way they gather information and make a decision, to help them make a decision. Yeah. I mean, it seems, it seems like you know, we, we're really... You know, I just was reading a book talking about you know, the danger of being so self-oriented in sales. You've got to be other-oriented. And yet, I look at our sales stacks and they're all... Us oriented and not, and not customer oriented.
2: Well, I like to think that Akunu is different, and I hope it's okay to say that. Oh, sure, um, sure. But, you know, a big part of what we're trying to do is integrate in the concept of the buyer and the buyer's journey, and the fact that there are multiple people involved in a purchase decision, and each of them is doing their own activities. Uh, individually and then collectively they're acting together as well and that the more visibility that you can get into that and understand how what their actions are uh, leading to in terms of their purchase decision align to the sales process you might be trying to execute. Um, It is still vendor oriented in the sense that what we're trying to do is help the sales organization and the sales individual understand what's going on with that buyer so that they can do a better job of presenting themselves and sell to them. So in that respect, I think that, you know, we are still on the sales side of the table and trying to be a friend to sales organizations and make their purchase process uh, more, t- or the purchase process of a buyer more transparent to them. But we're also trying to help them understand where a buyer is in their journey so they don't waste the buyer's time. And so in that respect, I think that being aware of the buyer and where they are in their process and how you know when is it time to lean in and really work to get that buyer to the table and bring them through a purchase cycle and when is it the case that they're just not ready yet and no matter what you do if the purchasing organization isn't ready it's unlikely you're going to get to the sale so i look at it as there's there are very much two sides to this Sales is not an altruistic profession in the sense that we have a number to make and we need to <laughs> what? sell it.
1: Shocking. Right? We need to sell, right? <laughs> Shocking.
2: But the best thing we can do is sell to people who are ready to buy. Um, that's better for them and better for us. And so the more that we can do to help facilitate sales, understanding what's going on with a buyer, where they are in the process, and is it time for them to buy? And am I in the position that I need to be in order to be the one to win that sale? I think the more successful the sales organizations can be, so that that's really how we think about mm-hmm. it. I don't know if that answers your question.
1: Well, sort of. I mean, it's I think there's that gap still exists, right? And it, it's not. I, I don't have the answer for for what that what that uh, tool would look like for for a buyer. But I think smart persons, smart people can figure it out because it, to me, it's the missing piece in the loop, right? If we really want to have collaborate on a sales process is, is, you know, the systems need to be tied together. And so, yes, I'll leave that for smarter people than, than me to figure out, but I, I think it's an opportunity for somebody who's listening, perhaps, an entrepreneur that wants to think about that. Um, so, so, tell us, we sort of touched a little bit on Akunu, so just tell us briefly what, uh, what Akunu does and you know, how you sort of fit into the whole account-based ecosystem.
2: Absolutely. I'd love to. Um, so Akunu is a word that comes from a West African language and it means content. And Akunu as a company is really, as I said earlier, looking at the sort of realities of the digital marketing world and what it is producing. Um, and that digital marketing world is very much around content and using content, whether it's on our websites or through uh, various marketing materials that we might have. Or- webinars or other things in order to interact with our our buyers early in the process and then as they go through their purchasing cycles. And what we're really doing is looking to reshape the account-based selling experience uh, for sales organizations in order to take advantage of all of that digital signal that's being left out there like breadcrumbs um, associated with those buyers. And... And really rethink the way that the opportunity is gone after by the sales organization when you're dealing with multiple people in the account. So Acuna is not a product for a a, a transactional sale mm-hmm. where there's one buyer involved and it's and it's uh, a relatively low price point, maybe high unit volume. Um, What we're really designed for is the organization that's dealing with a uh, mid-market to enterprise level purchase and there are three or more buyers and that sales cycle may take anywhere from three months to several years, depending on how you measure your sales Mm -hmm. cycle. Um, And what we're doing is we're harnessing all the data around all those digital signals that are out there, those that land in Salesforce and those that go back and forth with email and calendars, Mm -hmm. those that might be sales enablement tools. And we bring that together in a way that allows us to construct the buyer's journey in alignment with your sales process. And so for the first time, a salesperson can be looking at, we call it the opportunity map. You can be looking at the map of, the various contacts that represent different buyer personas that, you know, are important to your sales process and what their activity levels are like in the various stages that they go through in their buying process and where they are and what you might then do in terms of the next step putting that into a framework on top of Salesforce.com, so it's actually living inside of your Salesforce, but really reskinning skinning that opportunity object so that you now have a better way of visualizing the account, working through management of the buying group, the, the multiple people involved in touching the opportunity, as well as those that are the real decision makers, the buying committee, and then also providing uh, workflows and and really uh, systems for making things like deal reviews and pipeline reviews more efficient, more effective, less painful for everybody involved. So that's kind of the high level snapshot of
1: what we're looking at doing. Okay. So the first question that comes to mind is, is so how does how does someone compute the ROI on using a Yeah,
2: there's there's actually several different ways you can think about it. Um, you know, obviously one simple one is to look at whether or not the the ability to see the buyers in a more structured and transparent way, uh, what they're doing, allows the rep to become less single-threaded and more attuned to the multiple buyers and maintaining those relationships with them so that your ability to close deals is improved. So there's like the simple thing of, hey, the ROI is you are in a position to close your deals more effectively. And if you can close one or two deals more a year, the system has more than paid for itself. Mm-hmm. However, there's a couple other things that I think are really interesting and valuable about the way Akunu works. One is that because we're tracking the activity of all the different buyers, all the way through the various touch points of their buyer's journey, context is being created and preserved about that account and that opportunity, and it's there to stay. So if, let's say, you have a rep that turns over and a new rep comes in, you have the ability to really give that next rep in line a much better context about where the opportunity stands, who's been engaged in it and how far it's gotten so that when they step into it, they're able to preserve that relationship of your firm with that buyer in a more streamlined fashion. So that's one big thing. Mm -hmm. And then similarly, if you've adopted the account-based selling methodology of using account-based marketing and SDRs, and account executives. Well, you know the rate of change of SDRs is even higher than the rate of change of AEs. And right. so, if you had an AE who is involved in developing different aspects of the account, and you only see a certain percentage of what's going on in their activity, you may inadvertently duplicate effort. And so, it's a way of of making sure that the work that has been done is um, is preserved when there's transfers going on among personnel. So that's the second aspect that I think is really very interesting. And then the third way I think ROI comes out is just in sheer efficiency. Um, Deal reviews, we've we've been doing some survey work lately, and the number on average that sales managers report that they do is two to three deals reviews a week. Mm -hmm. And they're spending about 30 minutes per rep per deal review so this is you know so there you have like at least 90 minutes and they're preparing and their reps are preparing and the problem with all the deal reviews and that we hear from everybody we talk to is that you often get off track and don't actually cover the material that you needed to cover for the deal review to be successful and advance the deal right and so by by having a Better context, better visibility, better understanding of the opportunity, and a visual way of looking at it. The reps and the managers can hit like that moment where we we have the same point of view about where we are with the deal a lot faster, and move through these deal reviews in a more effective way. So we're really advancing this process. So those are three examples of where ROI can come from in using canoe
1: So here's here's a question, and yeah, it's one that I- <laughs> One I I think about a fair amount, which is that you know if, if you take all these SaaS companies that are trying to sell into into the enterprise complex sales. If we just took the sales stack away from them completely, maybe they still had CRM, but could they sell as much?
2: I doubt it.
1: And the reason I ask is because I. You know, I haven't seen evidence that's saying that the tools are enabling them to sell more.
2: Yeah, I, I hear you. So I think it, it depends on when you talk about the stack, um,
1: yes, where I, you
2: start.
1: Sure, I was being so, pretty generic. You know, but...
2: Yeah, so there, there's the marketing side of the stack, and then there's the sales side of the stack. Um, I, ref- I think the marketing side of the stack at some level is table stakes today, because every one of your buyers expects... To be able to find the representative group of companies they might be interested in for Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. online. Right. So I don't think you can remove the marketing stack. It's become a cost of doing business.
1: Yeah. I was referring purely to the sales stack, but yeah.
2: Okay. So then you go over to the sales side of the stack. And if you have the CRM, I think it's fair to say that in many cases, the CRM has become a data platform and a data governance platform, a place where you store data for reporting, Mm -hmm. um, and that it is not really facilitating at least the account-based selling process in any great manner. Most of the organizations that we talk to, they are somewhere between the continuum of, we don't even ask the reps to use it because they find it so painful to you know, we make them do some minimum set of things so that we feel that we have some handle on what's coming in the pipeline. But actually using the CRM tool as a way to facilitate selling, I would say uh, that today that is not really taking place. And so a lot of the tools that have come in the last five to 10 years have really been about improving the ability of the sales rep to do their job at a productivity level, um, and to some extent at a training and onboarding level. Mm -hmm. Could we live without them? Possibly. Would it take longer for salespeople to come up to speed? Very likely. Would they be as efficient in doing what they need to do on a day-to-day basis? Very unlikely. Um, and would the integration of all of the different activities that they perform in the pursuit of a sale be transparent or available for others to participate in? Almost certainly not. Yeah, there's a the sales rep selling and then there's an the organization selling, delivering, sure. and supporting. And so I think these tools that are out there, they play different roles. Some of them play roles... Exclusive to the sales organization, and some of them play roles in creating foundational information and support for the follow-on delivery of service and support.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I asked the question because I think I, I, I think we haven't really found out how to use the tools in a way that really increases productivity.
0: I mean, it's well, not it's not, to say,
1: it's not to say we haven't increased activity levels, but again, just based on sort of the scant the availability of scant data about you know what's individual rep productivity. Yeah, I, I think we just haven't really found the right recipe for for using a lot of the tools in a way that that really does improve productivity. And defining productivity as as I do for sales is you know per hour of selling time. A rep is selling more, right? It's producing more revenue per input of, of an hour of selling time. And to me that's sort of the whole yeah, grail, well, right? If we if we can get to that point, um then it's like, yeah, we're on to something here.
2: I totally agree with you in terms of the fact that we have not figured out the right recipe for how to use these tools in certain markets. Um, I think in account based selling, that is absolutely true. And I think that's in part true because the tools historically have not been set up for account based. Um, One of the funny things about this whole account based marketing, account based selling world is that those of us who've been selling into accounts for 30 years are like, well, that's not new. We've all been doing account-based selling forever, right? Right. But in fact, when you look at the way that the marketing automation systems were set up, they were not set up to sell to accounts. They were set up to generate leads, Leads, where leads are an individual, right? And an individual... Is one person in an account. You don't sell an individual, you sell an account. And so, one of, like, as a rep, I would be, working on something and a lead would come in from marketing on an account I'm already working on, I appreciate the fact I now have a new contact at that account. But it wasn't a new sales opportunity, right? Mm. And so that's always been one of the struggles between the sales and marketing divide is they were focused on leads and we were focused on opportunities that are in accounts. And a lead is one part of that, right? But then you get to the world of sort of the CRM and the, the issue there is that really those platforms, while very helpful particularly in managing the revenue stream associated with sales, have not really helped the rep be able to see the account that they're selling to. It has not enabled them to do more quality of selling. Mm-hmm. I think the tools that we have coming out now, a lot of them are focused on quantity of interactions, yes. and, and and the division of yes, and the division of labor between the SDR and the AE uh, makes great sense in some respects. But there is a possibility that there will be a backlash from this mechanization, where we're putting out enormous volumes of of. Uh, outreach to our buyers without really understanding who they are or interacting with them in a way that is respectful of them as actually a organization that we're trying to buy, you know, create a relationship with. Sure. So I think the thing that is not being enabled as well as we would all like is that notion of the relationship development and understanding how we sell in relationship with our customers as opposed mm-hmm. to. You know, I have a list of uh, 20,000 contacts that fit a certain profile, and I'm blasting out an email sequence every week. And yeah. I'm sure you're the recipient of those too. So, well, you know, I am. We
1: can, I, I sign up yep. for them in some cases.
2: Yeah. Well, and I love, and to, so,
1: love to see what people are doing, right or wrong.
2: Yeah. So, I think you can see that there's a lot of uh, activity and volume of activity that may not actually be turning into productivity. Well, and so con- I'm, I, I'm with you, <laughs> not yeah.
1: one. well, it's it's one of the concerns that that some people raise about, you know, the account-based marketing, account-based selling tools is that, you know, they're currently repeating the sins that we did with the the sales development platforms. In terms mm-hmm. of you know the number of outreaches and the the relative poor quality of the messaging that we're sending out and so on, even though it's yeah you know, again supposedly more targeted, but. But uh, you know, by the same token, you know, you hear vendors stand up in conferences and talk about how their their systems enable you know mass personalization at scale, and you receive the emails, and it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, just because you have my first name and the word "hi" or "hey" before it doesn't mean it's personalized.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I I do believe that there's um you know there's the tool, and then there's the best practice for mm-hmm. how it's applied um i i think that there is a real opportunity for a smart organization to align their marketing and their sales organizations in a way where the account based efforts are researched and the personalization is not is not a mass personalization it may be a scalable process for individual personalized contacts mm-hmm. so that you can actually do more, better research and outreach and follow-up. Right. Um, but the organizations that are using these, the, the customers of these tools, um, the, the thing that they'll have to stop at and do is actually be very thoughtful about how they apply them. And so there's no magic bullet that any tech vendor is going to deliver, I don't believe, to these customers. I know in my own situation, you know, we are using a combination of tools. We have AE, SDRs, you know, the whole the whole sure. same setup, but we don't send out emails that are the same email to 100 different people. Mm -hmm. We research each contact and then we now have a way that we can look at each contact, understand what's the right way to approach them and research their company and understand more about their company. And then what is the likely set of things that we might use to start a conversation with them? And that's sort of intelligent selling. Um, the platforms make it easier to scale that. But if you've decided that what you really want to do is you want a cookie cooker cookie cutter message that you're going to send out um, you know six different times and expect something back from it, I think that's going to be a very disappointing outcome. But that's about how the tools being used, not the tool itself.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really the critical point is is, as we talked about before, it's you know what's the recipe for using them intelligently? being thoughtful oh my gosh yeah you know, that's that that's such a great starting point because you know the, one of the downsides of, of having so much transparency or increasing lots of transparency in the sales process and the ability to track data is, is you know sort of this human nature people have to fixate on quantity of things as we talked about before and i think the the antidote to that is being more deliberate and more thoughtful and, yeah, maybe investing a little more time into capturing the deal. So I know it's, you know, anathema to some people and looking at cost of acquisition, but if you're selling into the account, into the enterprise with a larger, little more complex deal, the trade off is you're going to probably increase your conversion rate. And so, yeah, you may have a little bit of higher cost of acquisition, but you're going to close more deals.
2: Well, and you're also going to be set up for an enduring relationship with exactly. the account. And so the the truth is that the initial acquisition is of course important, but the long-term customer value is where the real payoff comes for most of us. And those of us who are building you know, companies or have built successful companies, um, it's not a one trick pony typically it's it's that you know you build a successful business by being able to expand your customer relationship and deepen it over time and so starting off on the right foot uh, you did a a great post i think a while ago our interview around uh, mindfulness mm-hmm. you know having that sort of mindful intentional attitude about how we approach our selling is going to distinguish and differentiate especially when there is just so much uh, garbage, you know, flowing into the inbox. Um, so I think I think it's it is incumbent on the buyers of this technology to be thoughtful about how are we going to use this and how do we use this in a way that really promotes our organization as being buyer centric and not just trying to sell, sell, sell.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great a great point. Is yeah, using technology is to help position yourself. Because it's I said it's there's great stuff there in, in various tools. It's just yeah, can we use them appropriately to to from my perspective, I always focus start with the buyer, right? Is, is how do we use these tools to help the buyer make quicker, better decisions or you know, meet their own objectives.
2: Yeah. How do you and how do you position yourself to be in intelligent about their their business problems in the place that they're at? Um, you know, doing your homework is a really important part of being a salesperson. As I said, I think uh, in, in our first conversation, right, right. Um, and it's not doing your homework once just to get the call. It's it's really engaging in understanding how that business is evolving and and demonstrating that attention to the buyers uh, all along the way. And I think when you do that, you're in a position to um to request from them the information and the uh feedback that you need in order to shape your offers to them so that you can be successful in making a sale.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I agree 100%. I, I think that one of the things that's overlooked by by too many sales reps to the point you just made is that that you know, one of the things that one of the things that has one of the biggest impacts on customers is the act of selling to them. You know, customers become more intelligent and more informed through the process of buying or being sold, and their requirements change and evolve. I mean, if if they're looking to to buy the exact same thing near the end of the sales process as they were at the beginning, the objectives may be the same. But in the vast majority of cases, in a complex sale, what they're looking at buying is actually gonna be different. And if you're not alive to that possibility, not mindful of the possibility that the act of selling to them actually changes requirements, and so you're not being thoughtful and mindful and deliberate throughout the entire process, as you'd mentioned, yeah, you're gonna be surprised when you get to the end.
2: That's right, because you'll miss you'll miss the evolution of their yep. thoughts and the growth in their ideas about what they. Can do and should consider doing and what is best for their organization. Um, And that's another reason why I think it's so important that sales be thinking about not just, you know, the one or two people that might be considered the decision makers, Mm -hmm. but are actually trying as part of their sales process to build relationship with the people that are kind of all around the deal and understanding sort of what they see and what's important to them. Because you never know where that spark of an idea about, you know, what is going to be really influential in closing the business is going to come from, and oftentimes it's not it's not the authoritarian sales process of, you know, of the of the uh, two decades ago where we just said, you know, we're going to buy this and put it down. It's much more collaborative now, mm-hmm. and so you really can't afford to be single
1: threaded. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. All right, well, Darlene, we've run out of time. So, tell folks how they can find out more about Akunu and connect with you.
2: Yeah, so uh, very happy to have you visit our website, which is www. Um, I would be very happy to have a conversation with anybody who's interested at Darlene D A R L E N E at akunu. com, um, and you can keep an eye out for us in you know local watering holes for sales organizations online <laughs> as well as uh, the various. Uh, conferences that are out there for different sales technologies. Um, we plan to be more and more visible as we go along here.
1: Yeah, and uh, Akunu, just to spell it out, A K O O N U dot com, just so people have that. And Correct. Darlene, thanks very much for being on the show.
2: Thank you, Andy. It was such a pleasure to speak with you. I forgot that we were recording this.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's a compliment. Thank you very much. So, <laughs> f- friends, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Please come back. Join us again tomorrow for another great episode of Accelerate. Until then, really appreciate if you get a chance on whatever device you're listening, whatever app you're using. Take a second. Subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. Uh, Leave us a review. We'd really appreciate hearing from you. So, Thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.